Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 58, John and Wendy Talk to John Baldino. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How is everything, John? I'm well, Wendy. I'm doing very well. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like I've had a, been able to talk to you a little bit more lately because yeah. I'm not traveling as much. Right. I got a major surprise, though. Yes, you uh, did. About a week or so ago. Uh, yeah, I am going to be attending Work Human. I am <laughs> super excited. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I actually went to school in the Nashville area, so I lived there for many years. It has a very, very fun spot in my heart. I love going down there. It has been ages since I've been able to go, and the opportunity arose to attend. I'm really excited. <laughs> I will. I, I if I get to ask uh, Clooney my Batman and Robin question, I think I will be set for life. But no, I, I just am really excited. We got a lot of. Previous guests, people that we know are going to be in attendance. Uh, I will be tweeting feverishly and furiously for those that are not able to attend. Wendy, I'm sorry, you're not going to be there, but yeah, I will. Yeah, timing did not work. Yeah, it it's it happens, but again, yeah. we're we're really excited. I'm very very excited. If you are attending and you hear this beforehand, make sure to keep an eye out for yeah. me. Uh, we'd love to, to to connect in person. If we've not, just really excited for the opportunity and. I'm sure I'll have have something to tell tell stories about once once we get back. Definitely, definitely. But uh, so. but enough about that. Yeah. I'm excited as as always for tonight's guest. I know we've been talking about trying to get him here for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Wendy, I'll let you make the introduction. We will get started. Yes, very excited to welcome John Baldino to the show tonight. Um, been following him on Twitter for a while. He has uh, 27 years uh, in human resources and 18 years in strategic roles. Uh, he has been very active in a variety of uh, SHRM, uh, local, state, um, national, keynote speaker, blogger, kind of bonded with him a little bit over his Pittsburgh teams, uh, the Phillies and, uh, oh, sorry, not the Phillies, the football team, the Eagles, because they beat the Vikings once in a major game, but we won't go into that tonight. John, <laughs> welcome to the show. And our first question is what's in your glass? I am uh, drinking a 2016 Merlot at the moment. Nice. Yes. On a cold very night, nice. it's very nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry about uh, uh, the <laughs> Eagles. I mean, I'm so glad you're not bitter about that and still holding on to it. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't get the team right the now. Team right, so yes, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, we're playing. I was I had your Twitter bio up and it says Phillies, and I was like, no, that's not right. Um, well, it is right. I mean, for me, it's right. <laughs> yeah, for you, it's right. Oh, yes. no, we had we had a little fun yes, that year, yeah. but that's all right. It's all it in is. good fun. It is. But we are on to baseball season. So, you, you know, you said my fills. We that's just true. got Bryce Harper. I'm a season ticket guy. So very excited for this season. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be fun. John, I know we've had a chance to interact just a little bit over the last few years and got to visit for a, a minute or two there in Chicago last summer. Know a little bit about what you do now and a little bit about, you know, kind of what you have going on. but don't know a lot of your your history. How exactly did you get started in human resources? And then what led you to start your own business in, in human reso? Well, um, you know, how did I get started? So, so I started in personnel 
about 102 years ago, somewhere around there. And uh, it, it started for me uh, on the retail space. I actually started for a regional department store in, out of the Philadelphia area called John Wanamaker's. And so I had the opportunity to work. You know, it's one of those jobs where you start kind of doing everything. So, you know, it overlapped into, in those days, credit. Um, I had got to be involved with actually doing the morning count um, on some days of all of the the take from the day before for the department store and uh, was the store announcer when need be and and uh, got to cover gift wrap um, twice until they saw the way I wrap packages to cover someone's lunch break and <laughs> I was I was done on that responsibility. Um, but uh, I was an associate trainer. And so in those days, really, most of it was very tactical training. So you had to do you know, register, stock, returns, credit applications, those kinds of things. And, and especially with the seasonality of the retail business, you know, you would just find yourself doing quite a bit of that training late summer, early fall, getting geared up for the holidays. And I, I would say training was really the, the foray for me to get involved in the broader human resources scope. And from there, um, wound up moving into human resource specific roles through the years in different industries. So I've been, besides retail, restaurant and education, nonprofit, manufacturing, distribution, banking and finance, all kinds of places from startups to huge companies. So it's kind of been a fun run. And, and so about in, in 2012, I was um, VP of HR. For an organization and left to start up Humoriso and and really the goal of it was to provide all levels of human resources support to organizations that probably you know that small to mid market it was my mid, uh, immediate thought um, that probably weren't going to be able to afford the kind of support that that some of their competition on the larger end had in house and so to help them bring to bear some resources and go toe to toe because they were already competing in some ways on the, the World Wide Web for business. Um, some of them were competing contractually. Um, and then we were moving really into a, uh, a different economy uh, with, with the talent pool that was out there. And so I felt like it was a good time to kind of bring these services to bear. Again, I'm an old guy. So I, you know, I was around to watch payroll become an outsourced commodity in HR. And I was around to watch benefits move from major medical to, you know, HMOs and, and uh, have a brokerage line that started to matter. It just seemed to me that human resources as a whole had opportunity to be supportive that way as well for organizations. That's cool to be able to see the whole cycle and know how we got to where we are. So with that knowledge behind you, what's the top challenge you've seen coming up for 2019? And is there something small HRs can do to start being better or improved when we take on that challenge? Yeah, I think, and, and a few people have already heard me sort of bang this drum for this year so far, but learning management, I think, is top priority. Uh, I don't know that organizations can dance anymore with, you know, find us a uh, seminar you want to go to and we'll reimburse you. Although that's great. Um, I don't know that that's enough anymore. I think that companies have to be really proactive about bringing true learning opportunities to their talent, both for a talent management, you know, kind of growing who you have internally, but it's also a retention tool, quite honestly. And in the marketplace that we find ourselves in right now, as far as competent talent is concerned, 
we, as, as the organization say, who's holding on to talent, we've got to be smarter than just letting it fall to, hey, will you pay me more to jump ship and join you, you know, other company, but rather what are these other things that you'll be able to give me and invest in me to help me get better at what I do, to, to enlarge the skill sets that I have currently, to enrich them. Um, and what else could I pick up and really add to my repertoire? And if you're not an organization that's willing to have that talk with me or give me those opportunities, and I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, bringing in some huge formal learning management system, although that's cool. I, I have no beef with those folks. And I, and I, you know, have a lot of love for those organizations that do it, those, those online, especially libraries that we can access. But I think we can be creative. There's a lot of stuff even locally that's HR pros that are in smaller organizations could be more adept at finding and bringing to bear within the organization. That's that's what we have to get smarter with in 2019, I believe. John, I think you're the first person we've talked to that's really mentioned that piece of what we do. And I, I think it's an excellent yeah. point. We're so concerned about trying to find people to begin with. And then we've talked about recruiting. We've talked about retention strategies and what have you, but really talking about learning management and, mm-hmm. and not, I guess, you know, we we had a guest recently that talked about succession planning and working with small businesses right. where right. it's a question, you know, 92-year-old grandmother was writing paychecks oh. still. <laughs> you know, what about that new person that's not 92 that's going to be coming in? How are we going to make sure that we keep them yeah. and, and teach them everything they need to know and, and make them better skilled and upskilled and what have you? I think it's a an excellent point. Yeah, thank you. And and I, I totally agree with that in terms of some of the situations organizations find themselves in. I'm a very big workforce planning kind of guy. So I, I do take that broader viewpoint. You know, workforce planning is business strategy and staffing strategy and, you know, ho- holistic talent management. So that is inclusive of succession planning. But I think sometimes in human resources, we've done a disservice and sort of raised the bar of succession planning over and above all those components of good workforce planning. And, and we're missing it a little bit. And part of that is, what are we doing with who we have? Stop looking for people to necessarily leave right away. Well, our turnover rate to you know, 22%, so we expect X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's okay for us not to be the norm. And average is an average because some are better and some are worse. So why don't you shoot to be the five percent turnover company by investing in your people rather than being okay to be average yep amen definitely i love it amen john you've been active on twitter for a long time like you said you've been at this many many years and was actually looking at your profile and you're getting ready to hit 10 years Mm. on twitter you know with your profile and, and being part of the hr conversation what led you to initially get on twitter and for those listeners because we do have a contingent that i know are not using it they hear it from us. We obviously have built a lot of what we do on that platform. But for you, you know, why continue what, what's been effective for you there? I, I have to be honest and say that when I first got onto Twitter, I'm, I'm a bit of a celeb junkie. I mean, I've had my like brushes with fame here and there. And so um, I think I still like to sort of ride that, that train <laughs> at moments. So when I first got onto Twitter, it was totally like voyeuristic and, and for entertainment purposes. And so I, uh, again, it was still early and people don't realize like how in the grand scheme of things, how quickly Twitter really has evolved into something kind of formidable from a communication standpoint um, versus where it was 10 years ago, let's say when I first got on. And so, you know, I connected with Tony Hawk and Alyssa Milano probably pretty quickly <laughs> when I first got on. 
And and when Tony Hawk followed me back and Alyssa Milano replied to to some of my tweets, I was like, you know, Jesus has come and, and my my world has meaning. <laughs> and so <laughs> and and uh and so that was what it was for me. But then from a professional standpoint, to watch that evolution over the last 10 years and for there to be the kind of engaged conversation that goes on on this platform is quite remarkable. And I know that there's some hashtags that that are really wise for people to follow if you really are looking for sort of the professional development and the honestly the professional acumen that some of these folks on involved on Twitter bring. You know, you two see the same thing. I mean, there's just so much rich content there, you, but you have to be smart about where you put yourself. And I would say, you know, for those people who are on Twitter right now, be wise about what kind of content you want to look for. Because if you want to find anything, it's there. I just can't say it's all really good. And opinion doesn't necessarily mean fact. Lots of people like to have opinions. They'd be too scared to tell it to you face to face, but, you know, give them a, a handle on Twitter and they'll tell you everything they think. So kind of balance that with sort of the full full spectrum of what someone brings to the table. You know, Wendy, you mentioned that I blog as well. I mean, I think you got to look at people's content outside of just that one arena. But if you're not on Twitter yet, I, I have to say it will probably surprise you to know how much good stuff there is to find in that vein. It has been a blessing on all honesty for Humoriso, right? It's evolution as an organization. The connection that I've had on Twitter, it's just opened a lot of doors for the organization. And in six and a half years, this company has grown really well. And I attribute a good portion of that, honestly, to to that social media platform. John, I've got to ask, when you talked to Alyssa Milano, did you talk to her about the movie Commando? I, You know, it's so funny. We didn't go that far because I, I was super scared <laughs> that I was going to be stalkerish. Cause I, and I must have written 45 tweets and kept deleting them before, you know, like, you know, draft them out. And then like, no, that's creepy. And then type something. No, that's creepy. But I wound up telling her that I, I you know, had had a crush on her from Who's the Boss and she sent me some hearts back from that. And I, I mean, I still have that. And I, I, it's awesome. I'm like, who, she would not engage with me were it not for some of these platforms. I mean, it's nutty. And then again, through the years, the other folks that I've gotten a chance to chat with, and it's, it's just unbelievable the way that the, the world can open up and become a whole lot smaller through these platforms. I think that's the beauty of social media is we, if without social media, I would never know you, John, <laughs> um, or John, yeah. Um, yeah. because the, it just, it's made the world flatter. And so we're all, it's kind of equalized being able to, to connect with things. I mean, I still remember when Alton Brown tweeted at me because I asked a question, mm. I was making one of his recipes and asked a question on Twitter and he responded and yeah, you like fangirl about it forever. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just, yeah. you wouldn't get that otherwise. So yeah, I think that's, I, I love that so much. And John, so you've been active with Sherm at the local level um, and state level for quite a while. Um, and actually, that's when we met in person was at the Sherm yeah. ELS conference, which was awesome. What's one of the biggest challenges you've had as a leader at the local level? And what can other local leaders learn? It is a good question. And so uh, I would say uh, I'm at, on my second year of my presidency for our local chapter in the Philly area, which is called Tri-State HRMA. It's really been an interesting two years, and that's such a terrible word to use. But, you know, I'd been vice president before president. Just It's not a requirement, but it just worked out that way. And so then I moved into the president role. 
I've experienced things as president that I wasn't even exposed to as vice president. It's kind of shocking to me how much of a divide there there is between those two roles. But uh, I guess two things. One, people in general don't seem to like to join things uh, anymore. I, I think not just for Sherm on the local level, but a lot of professional organizations, membership as a whole is down. And so you see, you know, Rotary and Kiwanis and some other organizations that had been kind of mainstays a generation ago are combining, right? There's there's counties and, and regions that are combining um, chapters because of sustainability. They, they need to have a critical mass. And I don't think SHRM is quite there yet, but I do think we've got to be smarter about what it really means to join a chapter and what do you really get for that? What's the value connected to that? And um, doing things the same way all the time won't necessarily get you the results you want. Don't change for change's sake, but take a look at what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and measure what the response rate is to that. And the other thing that comes to mind is, is the status quo. So kind of connected to that, it's interesting, you know, a lot of folks asked me to be president because they were like, you know, you've got great ideas and we really want to implement some things and we know you're so creative and you've grown your own business and we know our chapter will appreciate that. And, and yet that's coming out of one side of their mouth. And on the other side, it's like, but don't you touch this. Don't you do this. Don't you do that. Right. And, <laughs> and so uh, I would say just get yeah. ready for the status quo to be a bit more entrenched than you realized. And these are lovely people. I'm not mocking anybody, but it's sort of the systemic nature of, of an established organization. Our chapter is, you know, well over 30 years old, probably closer to 40, actually. And so you have a long history there of folks who've been setting the tone for what it's like. And, you know, this rebel Baldino comes in and is like, yep, you know what? We're redoing the website and, and we need a new logo and this, that, and the other. And people <laughs> are like, that's awesome. You know, and then behind the closed doors, it's somebody's got to take him out. So, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's kind of what you have to be, be ready for for some folks in the local area. But the biggest issue to come back to the first one is people don't join groups period the way that they used to and what does that mean for us in the fabric of sherm that's an interesting point and you know when you say that it it makes sense because we've seen where i'm at we've seen the same thing where you know how do we get people to join and how do we show the value and i think mm -hmm. that it's different too so you know what works for you in your area isn't going to necessarily work in south dakota so trying to figure out what that value is and how to articulate it is it's tricky and I think that's where a time like VLS, where we met, is so important because you get to hear these ideas from other people. And you're right, not everything works everywhere, but at least you're kind of being challenged to think more creatively. What else can we do and just trying different things? And um... and if I might throw one other quick point in, and John, you brought it up at the beginning of the, the broadcast with Work Human. I, I think the more that we expose ourselves to other companies and organizations um, conferences, the more that we see that there's a wider world than than just Sherm, and that there's different kinds of conversations and connections that can be had. I mean, Work Human is one of the best. If honestly, it's the best conference that I attend each year, hands hands down. And <laughs> so I'm excited to be there again this year. And and again, I get to to be upfront for one of the sessions. And so you know, they've been gracious to Ooh. me over the past years. And um, actually. 
Robin schooling and I get to do something on culture with a couple of other people. So it'll be fun. Oh, how awesome. Very fun. And I, I think that's true. You know, it's what are what other things are out there? There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, content and being delivered in a lot of different ways. One of the most uh, crazy things we did here in Brookings was we brought Disrupt HR here. Yeah, and that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, just getting and getting the content in different ways. It is that that is the hardest thing I've ever spoken at. I did disrupt in Philly and those five minutes. Mm -hmm. I know it's only five minutes. I probably practice that more than I ever have for any other keynote I've ever delivered. Like it was amazing. Oh, yeah. It's the it's the discipline of it. I I love those because there's just you have to be disciplined. You can't ramble. Absolutely. You have to know what you're going to say. Well, John, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection, brand shiny new for 2019. Our first question is, who was your first professional mentor and what was the most important or impactful thing you learned from them? There was a young lady when I was in college that uh, I did some volunteer work and we led a group together. And one of the things that she said to me early on, and she was really a peer, but but definitely uh, stepped into a mentor role for, for me in this. She, she first brought up the phrase, choose your battles to me. And I will tell you, uh, you know, as a kid growing up in, in Philly, there were certainly things that were too much of a fight for me. And I cared about a lot of things. And so to have someone sort of challenge me on that, to say, you got to choose your battles. I'd never had anybody say that to me before. And the fr- I will tell you, when she first said it to me, the first thing I thought of was, who the heck are you talking to? Mind your business, right? Like, I'll choose my, you know, don't tell me what to do. I'll choose what I want to choose. And I, even in that response, I realized how fight oriented I was internally, how much, even if I didn't express it externally, internally, there just was that tension. And so it really helped me to sort of step back a lot more, especially as time went on in my professional development to consider perspective a bit more. I'm not saying that I've arrived at any sort of nirvana with it because, you know, catch me on a bad day and I'll be, I'll have happily over respond, but (laughs) But it was she was the first person to really challenge me with just a, a short tidbit that just stuck with me for all these years. John, who's one person that you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Uh, I might have two for this one. I'm sorry. That's okay. Tamara Raspberry, everybody better get on right now and, and connect to her. If you don't know Tamara, she's, she, is. she is the bomb. Like, just great perspective. Love her. We probably were separated at birth. I mean, it's really a bad scene when we're together, but in a good way. Um, And so, like, she's just great. Great content, great thoughtfulness. She's an excellent writer. Uh, And I'd say Keith Enox, who is newer, I would say, for sure within the past year, um, on the blogosphere with Working Title HR. Um, Another great guy to know. And I know that Keith and I have also been accused of having a bit of a bromance. And I will own that. And I don't really care. I'm secure. Um, so, you know, I would, I would encourage folks listening to definitely connect with them, but, but glad that they're in my network. Great folks. Pre- both both yes, previous definitely. guests yeah, are yeah. big fans yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So John, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? I probably would tell myself to chill out. Bit of an overachiever. My, my esteem was definitely connected to what I could do. 
because I wasn't so secure in who I was. Um, and I know this isn't therapy. I'm actually able to say these things very succinctly and not, you know, melt into a puddle. But, you know, I just, I don't know that I really felt that great about myself growing up, but, but I overcompensated by what I could do. I think I would tell myself, just relax. Like, you're okay. Run with what you love and it's going to work out. John, beyond what you do with Tri-State HR, what else do you, how else do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I am a big believer in the collegiate connection that we should have. So definitely once a semester, if not twice a semester, I am on a college campus talking to uh, young men and women that are seeking a business career. Sometimes it's in human resources. Sometimes they're not quite sure. Um, and so just spending time with them, sharing what I've learned. I try to be a little humorous to help it kind of go down easy, but help people to to sort of take a look at what it is that they think they want to do. <clears throat> it is still happening in colleges where I'll ask people why they think they want to pursue a career in human resources. And they tell me that they like people. And that's just, Don't do it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's right. If you like people, it's the yep. worst job to take because you will not like them. You will not like them very soon after you start a career in HR because you recognize how petty and self-absorbed and self-centered and micromanaging and fill in the blank that people can be. And so if you only expose yourself to the worst in a reactionary uh, role, as you likely will have early on in HR, you will hate people. So don't, don't look at it just for that reason. However, if you feel like there's an opportunity you have to relate to folks, and that you help people to see beyond the situation that's staring them in the face at the moment, then okay, let's think about the way in which those communication strengths can be used to further your career and to be a benefit to those that you'll serve. Or if you think that you've got an, an opportunity to really design programs and curriculum that will challenge and inform folks, and you really uh, are excited about curriculum design or le certain levels of, of organizational training, Awesome. Let's talk through how you could bring that educational prowess to bear in an organization. If it's specific as far as the skill set is concerned, I think that's really where we should spend our time. And I love to have those conversations with folks who are trying to figure out, especially on that collegiate or early or early in their career. I do a lot with young professionals as well. What you know, what is it that you want to get to? You know, and you guys probably have experienced this as well. What, where do you see yourself in five years? That horrible question that is still asked in interviews for some godforsaken reason. And people will say, well, I see myself as a director of HR, a VP of HR. Why? Why? Because you think that that's just the path that you have to take? Why would you do that to yourself? Not everybody has to be that. Maybe you'll find something very exciting with, your, with HRIS, with, with AI or tech in some other way in human resources. Maybe you will go down a training route. Maybe you will find something legal and, and decide to go back to law school. I mean, there's a million things that you could do. So we really should try to help folks see how wide human resources really is and allows people to sort of exercise their skill sets in. So, John, what's your favorite movie? Oh, these questions kill me uh, because I just love so many <laughs> things. I, I probably would say Shawshank Redemption. How about your favorite musician or band? Uh, Billy Joel, hands down. My my husband. 13, 14 times Aww. I've seen him in concert. Yes. I mean, he's killer. Just so good. But I listen to so much stuff. I mean, I think that there, you know, 
my kids will see my collection and they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, how do you like alphabetically it's, you know, Pavarotti, Pearl Jam and Prince. What the <laughs> heck is the matter with you? Right. So I listen to a lot of stuff. That's all good. It's all about yes. variety. Exactly right. How about a favorite TV show? Of all time, uh, I might say The Wonder Years. Really? Yeah, I just find it to be so interestingly moving. And I think that the storytelling behind it is is quite wonderful. I would say that, though I wouldn't put it on the same level, if I have to pick like a current TV show, The Goldbergs has some Wonder Years-esque-ness to it in the way it crafts a story. But it's it's more on the ridiculous than than I think the Wonder Years was. But yeah. Well, John, as I look and try to make connection, I'm disappointed you didn't say who's the boss <laughs> as far as right. Your I, although I <laughs> did no, used it, to watch Charmed religiously, not but I could uh, never tell you what any of the episodes were about, which is really uh, an indictment of my character when I say that. So. Well, well, there is a band called the Wonder Years now, and my my older boy is a big fan and. I threatened to take him when he was 14 or 15. I threatened to take him to a show and just stand in the back of the Winnie the whole time. He didn't get it. You know, I, I, I didn't do it. I wasn't that, wasn't that rough with him. But having said that, if you're not watching Shawshank or listening to Billy Joel or watching <laughs> the Wonder Years or the Goldbergs, which my Twitter famous at one point was Adam Goldberg's first real girlfriend tweeted me back oh, after that that's show. That's awesome. Yeah. When they broke up. Yeah, she she like I don't know how she found me, but she found That's me. Awesome. And that was that was kind of nuts. That is awesome. <laughs> but um, when you're not doing those things, what else do you like to do outside of work? I'm a husband and father, so I've got three teenagers. One's in his second year at Liberty University down in Lynchburg, Virginia, and then I have two girls in high school. One is about to graduate as well in a few months, and she's figuring out where she's going. She's probably going south as well, but probably more south. I think Florida. And then uh, my youngest is a sophomore in high school. So I spent a lot of time with the family doing my, my darndest to embarrass each of them for various reasons, um, as is my fatherly privilege and right. Um, <laughs> but no, we have a blast together. And so I really genuinely enjoy spending time with my family. It's, it's absolutely not a duty. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And, you know, as Wendy mentioned, I write quite a bit. So I definitely take some time to on my own to, to sort of sit with my thoughts and journal and, and craft some things as a result. So John, finally, if you weren't in the HR profession, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh my gosh. I think I'd be doing something in the entertainment industry, probably some sort of television host. I, I, when I was in college, I worked at a radio station cause I wanted to be a, a radio DJ. And so worked worked at a top 40 station in yeah. Philadelphia, which was a great gig. I found it to be a little cutthroat, and so it scared me off. And so I went into the uh, HR route, honestly. And uh, But I guess, yeah, I think that's what I would be doing. I would probably be hosting some sort of crazy show or be a, a, a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race or, <laughs> or have my own show on e, the E! Channel or something like that. John, I have to say, you know, you mentioned you've been in this at this almost 102 years. Yes. I'm glad you I'm glad you're doing this and, and not the radio or entertainment route, because we probably wouldn't know you. And, and I, you know, I have to say, I have really, really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate so much the perspective that you bring and 
I just I love the fact you have fun with it. It's it just it's so apparent what what you do and how mm. you how you carry yourself with us. And and I, I just want to thank you again for that. Now I know the majority of our listeners probably are already following or know you, but those that do not, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? First of all, thank you for that. Appreciate those words. Um, uh, you know, for sure they could visit the Humoriso site, humoriso.com. Uh, but if you want to just first connection on Twitter, it's JB alive. We will have all that in the show notes for sure. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? Best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And always the fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of the monthly HR social hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? Again, if you're listening to this prior to Work Human, you'll find me there. So if you're attending, listening either right before or maybe on the way to Nashville, find me while you're there. I may have gifts and prizes. You never know. Uh, otherwise, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. You look at the left-hand side at the top of the screen, three little lines, click there. You'll see all the links to all my social. You'll find the show, download, rate, review, continue to share. We always appreciate anytime you boost the signal. It helps us so very, very much. So again, John, appreciate you being with us tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 